The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Many of Jesus' disciples who were listening said, This saying is hard. Who can accept it? Since Jesus knew that his disciples were murmuring about this, he said to them, Does this shock you? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life, while the flesh is of no avail. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus knew from the beginning the ones who would not believe and the one who would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by my Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Jesus then said to the twelve, Do you also want to leave? Simon Peter answered him, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Freedom, the blessing and a curse. We have been given this great gift of freedom, the freedom to choose, because it gives us the ability to love. It gives the ability to recognize the intrinsic worth and dignity of the men and women and children around us and respect that and give of ourselves to uphold that. But freedom also allows us the opportunity to fail to recognize that dignity and intrinsic worth and degrade it or try to destroy it. So the question isn't about what is freedom, but the question is more about how shall we use our freedom? Our readings today are all about freedom. Joshua says you're free to worship the one true God, or you can worship some other false gods. It's up to you. But as for him and his house, he's going to worship the one true God. St. Paul tells us we're free to love as Christ himself has loved the church or we're free to reject that kind of love. And finally, Christ in our gospel tells us that we're free to walk with him, but we're also free to reject him and leave him and return to our former way of life. He leaves the option up to us, but these, this freedom, how we choose to use it, has consequences. Now in America, often when we talk about freedom, we think about freedom from things. I want to be free from oppression, I want to be free from all the isms, I want to be free from whatever. Now those are good questions to ask and good things to, to long for. But as Christians we have to ask an even better question. What am I made free for? For what should I use my freedom? Cardinal Ratzinger, who would eventually become Pope Benedict XVI, once said in a homily, Liberation from obligation ultimately will be liberation for compulsion. Let me say that again. Liberation from obligation ultimately will be liberation for compulsion. So when we seek to be free from all the rules and commandments and all the things that kind of try to keep us safe, we indeed can find freedom from those things. But what is that freedom for? Often it's freedom just to follow our passions as we desire. A really basic example to help us understand this. Now, we have certain obligations to eat healthy. 
You know, you have to eat your fruits and vegetables to the ire of all children. Now, we can get rid of all those obligations to eat healthy and eat whatever we want. So that means for every meal, I'd probably just eat bacon and ice cream and supplement it with Freddy's every once in a while. Now, if I get rid of all of that obligation to eat healthy and just eat and follow my own passions as I want, it has consequences. I'll probably then become a slave to those passions. I'll then have to become a slave to a doctor and then a gym and then a diet and all the rest to fix the problems that result. So sure, we can be free from our obligations, but it always just leaves us free to follow our own passions and desires. Now this takes on a more serious note when we talk about the obligation to uphold the dignity of every man, woman, and child in our lives. St. Paul speaks about this great mystery that is real, true love. He says it in the context of marriage, but we can make it a little bit bigger of a picture. St. Paul says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and wives, be submissive to your husbands. Now let me give you a little bit of a Catholic understanding of what that means. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now how did Christ love his church? There's his example. If husbands are willing to do that, if they're willing to climb on a cross even though they're innocent, if they're willing to die to themselves and die for the dignity of their wives, that's their mission. That's how you love as Christ loves. If we're willing to do that, then St. Paul says, Women, wives, put yourself under that mission. Sub missio, under the mission of. Uphold that mission. That means fight for your dignity, fight for your worth, because you are worth dying for. If that's the kind of dignity, that's the kind of love that Paul is preaching, that Christ is teaching us, then all of us must uphold that dignity in our own lives. To understand that every man, woman, and child, every person, has a dignity that's worth dying for. Because we're called to such a high degree of dignity, a high degree of protection, it also hurts when people fail. That's why the current scandals that the church is going through hurt us so much. Because the men, the priests, the bishops, the cardinals, and all the way up, we're charged with the degree to truly protect and uphold the dignity of every man, woman, and child in their care. And not only did they abuse that, but they completely failed in it. Those sins must be brought to light. They must be brought to the light of Christ, and they also, the criminal activity, must be brought to justice. There's no doubt about it. This is a time in which we can be purified if we're willing to deal with the purification so that indeed we can uphold that dignity of every man, woman, and child, so that all the victims of these men can truly learn to start healing. We must bring it to the light. But also what needs to be brought to light is another great attack upon the dignity of men, women, and children, something that we never talk about because we're afraid to do so, and that's the reality of pornography. So often, whenever this gets brought up, people say either it's not harming anyone or it's not really that big of a deal, but let me give you some statistics so that we understand the reality. 55% of married men and 70% of unmarried men view pornography once a month. 25% of married women and 16% of unmarried women view pornography once a month. That's one out of every two married men struggle with this. 
It not only involves images on the internet, but also, especially amongst the youth, involves images through texts and apps. All of that involves a breakdown of an understanding of the dignity of human beings. Another statistic is that 90% of teens and 96% of young adults, it's roughly between 12 and 25, they all think that they not only encourage and accept pornography, but they're neutral towards it. We've failed to teach our children that it's a problem. If it's something that's just accepted at the worst, then we need to do something about it. And the average age of the first exposure to pornography is eight years old. That's the average age, so it's taking place younger than that. You see, the reality is, is that it's a $10 billion plus dollar industry that knows that the sooner someone sees those images, the longer they'll be hooked for life. We must not be naive, we must understand those who are out there, we must fight against it. Others say that amongst adults, it doesn't cause a problem. Well, in 2002, a bunch of lawyers got together, compiled all their cases for divorce, and they found that pornography was a major reason for divorce in 56% of those divorces. One out of every two divorces happens because of pornography use. This is a problem, but thanks be to God, we have a Catholic answer. You see, the Catholic answer to this problem is first and foremost an openness of communication. So often in my experience, people suffer in silence because they're ashamed to talk about it. Shame isolates and drives away, and that is not how God works. And that is not how we work. Shame is causing all, some of the problems we're facing in the church today. We must provide a place, a culture in which we can talk about this. Not just say it's okay, but talk about what is wrong and how we can heal. You see, the reality is, is that whenever a child comes into the confessional and they confess a struggle with pornography or they've seen images they didn't want to see, I immediately tell them, can you tell your parents where you saw this and what you saw? My, the, often the reaction I get is, mom would be so disappointed and dad will kill me, so no. We have to break down those barriers. So that the reality is, is if our kids see these images, they can easily run to mom and dad and not feel like they're going to be punished, but feel like they can actually be helped. Imagine this, it's kind of an analogy. When our kids go to play at the playground, we tell them that if a stranger approaches you, quickly run and tell mom and dad and we can deal with it, right? The playground is now digital. Our kids are playing in places we don't even know sometimes where they're at. What happens when they see something they shouldn't see? What happens when someone approaches them that they don't know? Do they know to also comforting run to mom and dad and let them know what is going on? These are ways in which we can provide that culture so that no one has to suffer in silence. Another way to help is accountability. There's a great software called Covenant Eyes. It goes on every computer, handheld devices, and the rest. It's accountability software and it also offers filtering software. It's developed by a Catholic company. What it does is it reports what has been seen to accountability partner, whether that's the parents or that's a loved one or that's a friend. Especially amongst adults, I recommend to any men who are struggling with this, find another guy that you can trust. Tell him you're struggling, because most likely he's struggling too, and help each other out. Sign up to be accountability partners, and when you see them fall, then you encourage each other to get to confession, to pray for each other, and help each other. Too many people are trying to do this alone, and they're suffering in silence and isolation. 
We need to stop that. We also must remember to frequent the sacrament of confession. Satan's main job is, especially through these sins, to lead us to despair, to lead us to think that we can never be healed and we can never be whole again. And that is an absolute and utter lie. It doesn't matter how many times you have to come to confession, come to confession. Christ himself said we had to forgive seven times, 77 times. He holds himself to the same standard. He never tires of forgiving our sins. Let us never tire of receiving his mercy. And finally, never give up hope. Hope is what keeps us alive, keeps us moving forward. And whenever you find it, it could be this sin, it could be a different sin, where it's in your head, and it seems like every single time it happens, you just tear yourself down. Like, how could you be so weak? And you fall into this again, and you just seem totally convicted by these ideas and this sin. Remember this. Satan knows your name, but he calls you by your sins. God knows your sins, but he calls you by your name. If your thoughts are tearing you down, that is not from God. That is from the evil one and we must reject them. God wants to uphold our dignity and build us up and bring us to wholeness. Accept that voice alone. You see, my brothers and sisters, we've been given a great gift of freedom. But that freedom sometimes needs to be put under certain obligations, certain restrictions, so that we can live a life of true dignity and worth. Let us not be afraid to renounce the evils of pornography, the evils of shame and hiding, so that we indeed can be men and women, families who are whole. I think Bishop Vinky, our new bishop, can give us words of encouragement. These are his words at the Vesper ceremony the night before he became our bishop. He said this, I pray, Jesus, that I have the same love that you have for them, referencing all of us in the diocese and to lay down my life for the people here. It comes at a time that the church is being purified. Evil wants us to hide, but we trust Jesus who loves his church. He will bring great good through this time of purification. What a wonderful time to be a saint, right? In this time when there is such difficulty, it should spur us on to be what God calls us to be. What a time to be a saint, my brothers and sisters. Let us allow God, the most holy God in the Eucharist, to purify our hearts. We're finding we struggle with this. Let us pray to God to purify our families and protect them in the dignity of every man, woman, and child. Let us pray that this purification will continue in the church, bring all of the hidden lies and sins to the light, and allow healing to begin. Let us give thanks to God for this time of purification. Let us give thanks to God for this time to be a saint. And let us trust that he is truly merciful, for we believe in a God who is love.